Hey, welcome to Friars in the Farm podcast. My name is Jonathan Jones. I'm your host. Today I'm joined as usual with Roy. Hello, Roy Thomason here. Roy, how you doing, man? Doing great. Doing great. It's been a good week. Oh, it has been a good week. I uh, made lots of moves, lots of stuff to talk about. We got the interview with Dylan uh, from the Journal Gazette coming on later. Uh, but lots first, of roster moves, guys moving up and down. We got a little All Star Game news, well, right? We're just chock full of information here. Well, folks, uh, batting leadoff, we're going to go right to it. Last night was the AAA All Star Game in Trenton, New Jersey, I think, where uh, uh, Luis Udias and Brett Kennedy were were involved. Mm-hmm. Uh, Udias playing shortstop, went two for five, two runs scored, RBI. I like that he was the starter at shortstop for the PCL. Yeah, he's a he's a second baseman, right? Yeah, yeah. But here he is playing shortstop, representing his league. Well, and, and he played such good shortstop uh, in the Arizona Fall League. Oh yeah, he that did. and he really wowed scouts over the Arizona Fall League. Because yeah, so. a year ago, that's everybody was saying, "Now nah, he can't play short. He doesn't have the range. The range he doesn't have the, the arm. arm." And now he's holding his own. He's looking like he can be a legitimate. Yeah, not a starting shortstop. Yeah. He's not going to be a top-of-the-shelf MLB tor- shortstop. But if you need somebody for a backup, he's your guy. Yeah. Well, and here's a hot take. So when you bring Udias up later on this year, you have him at second base. Do you skip on the? Uh, do you skip on signing any shortstop to a extension and have him play short until Tatis comes up later on next year? Oh, that's a good idea. That's an incredibly good idea. I mean, I, I guess you could go with. You wouldn't have you wouldn't want like a situation we have right now with Freddie Galvis, where he's the only shortstop on the roster. He's the only one anywhere on the landscape. So I would think you'd want There's somebody that's Coleman. like an Eric Ibar kind of backup that right. he's not going to start. He's going to see some pinch hitting appearances, um, but he's the veteran there to keep him on the right track. But shortstop, there's so much technical stuff going on there. Uh, when uh, Jose Rondon got called up. Hmm. He's supposed to be a good defender, and then all of a sudden he looked lost at Major League because of the speed of the game and how technical everybody is. His footwork wasn't right. Um, so if you want Urias to be able to play shortstop a significant amount of the time, I think he'd, he'd need even more time at AAA to get there. Yeah, and, and you don't want to bring him up so young, throw him at a position you know that he may be comfortable with. Yeah. It, it could affect the bat. If it he, could affect everything. If he's going to be the, shortstop, the second baseman of the future, then – Put him at second base. I, I still think that he could I, – maybe I'm projecting here. If but. somebody gets hurt and you need him to slide over, then you do that. But he's a short – he's a second baseman. And he's Long-term, he's a second baseman. I still think we could fit him into short till Fernando comes not, up. Not Tatis, though. <laughs> you put him at shortstop because, as Philip Wilman said, what, it, what what was the quote? He's an effing shortstop. <laughs> he's an effing shortstop. I don't care what anybody says. I'm trying to keep it clean here. <laughs> so <laughs> You don't know what you're talking about if you think he's not a shortstop. What is, something like that. That was a great quote. Uh, that was on the 5.5 podcast where, uh, where John Connell was able to tell uh, – was able to quote him uh, – Per word. Anyways, getting back to uh, Luis Urias in the AAA All-Star game. After striking out of the first at-bat, you know, he had two line drive singles, both that started rallies. Um, you know, given eight, and Brett Kennedy pitched only an inning, four hits, three earned runs, had a K, uh, but that's all right. Our boy, Luis Urias, did what he was supposed to do, go up there and shine. Mm-hmm. Moving on, let's get right to it then, right to the big news the big everyone's news excited about. Ding, ding, ding. Chris Paddock has been promoted to San Antonio. About time. Yes. And it was something that everyone knew. And it was only a matter of time before he got it. Um, uh, boy, did he do it in grand fashion. Did you see that picture of him decked out head to toe in red, white, and blue? Oh, the 4th of July oh, gear. Oh, my God. What a way to make an entrance into a clubhouse. And I love, <laughs> I love that. I love the playfulness. I love the personality. Yes. I love that. Major League Baseball, there, there's so much failure in the game. There's so it beats you down so much in in trying to be humble. You hear a lot of you know a lot of the canned answers for stuff, and there's you know everyone's so afraid to to have any kind of personality where you might show someone up or or be you know outside of the herd. You get guys like that that have personality. Well, but um, he seems to get it in between the lines. Once the game yep. starts, he's all business. All but business. I love that he shows up in a suit on game day that I am here to get the job done. And then you walk into a new clubhouse and make an impression like that. You know, real quick, and, and to, to go back to the 5.5 um, interview that John Conniff had with Eric and, and Dan, or Dave, Danny Ortiz. Danny Sorry. Ortiz, whatever um, his name is. Well, he, he talked about like 
before one of the starts, you know, there was a rain delay, and he was supposed to pitch that day, and he was just sitting in his locker, focused, like game ready, and kind of like other players were like, I ain't going over there and talking to him. I ain't going to stop that. And then this Zen moment just focused. Uh, so you're right. When it comes to game time, he's all business. So anyways, he uh, promoted in 10 games with Lake Elsinore. He was 4-1, 52 and a third innings pitch, 83 strikeouts. Guy, do I need to say this? A .90 whip with an insane four walks. And Eric, and I saw one of the walks. <laughs> Eric Labou was one of the fortunate ones that get up there and watch him play. Did he even? I don't think he walked more than one batter in any outing. Any outing, right. Um, so taking his place coming up from Fort Wayne is Nick Margovicius. Yes. Yes, um, we'll, we'll, we'll talk to you in a minute. Nick Margovicius promoted from Fort Wayne. In 13 starts with the 10 caps, he had 87 strikeouts, 9 walks, and 76 in the third innings with a 3.07 ERA. Um, another, we even said his name right, Nick Margovicius. Mm-hmm. Uh, another uh, stellar arm coming up in the system. Yeah, a left-hander with a little bit more breaking stuff than what Paddock has. So let's get on to his, uh, so last Saturday is when Chris Paddock had his debut. John Connor from Mad Friars was there and uh, had, you know, and, and this is how it went. Ty France hits a bases loaded triple, but all eyes were on the Texas native Chris Paddock, and it didn't disappoint with six innings and giving up only a single hit, an opposite field home run in the second inning while striking out six and issuing only a single walk. He struck out the, the guy that hit the home run. He struck him out the next time the guy came up. Right. I heard about that. <laughs> I love that. So, okay, you get me once. I saw what you did. Next time, you're not going to make it happen again. And he, he changed the sequencing on him. He did. Um, I don't know specifically, but I remember hearing an interview about about that next at bat with a guy. But I love that the the mental process of you know remembering what happened and being able to turn that around and use that against him. Yeah, I got you. No, you don't. Here you go. Uh huh. Um, Paddock throws three pitches: a four seam fastball, change up, and a curve. What has gotten all the attention is the amount of separation there is between the fastball that touches ninety six, uh, but sits in the mid nineties, and the change up, which. In the high 70s. That's 15 miles an hour difference. That's amazing. It's incredible. That's that's better than what Trevor Hoffman had differential on his. And they look the same out of the hand. It starts off nice and flat on the same trajectory. And then more than halfway to the plate, it just the bottom falls out. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, talking about his pitch mix, Paddock says, the change goes off my fastball. And I have the confidence to throw it any time in the count. I can throw it for a strike or I can bury it. I love that. I can just hear him say, bury it. Uh, all the big league pitchers have three or four pitches, and that is something that I got to develop. The spin is there on the curve. It's just a question of getting it more consistent. Tonight I showed them I had a curveball, but it needs to get better. So I was listening to an interview with Philip Wellman, the manager, and he was talking about how what he likes about Paddock is that when he misses, the curveball's not great. Mm. It's there, but it's just a show-me pitch right now, but he keeps it down. And with the changeup, it's always down out of the zone. He doesn't miss with those pitches up high. And so I think that's why you're not seeing him give up. He's not getting hurt. He's not getting the damage that some of these guys. I mean, you miss a curveball, you leave it up. It's a lollipop. It is. It's just sitting up there spinning. Um. Just got to touch it and it's out. (laughs) Um, Anyways, you know, and that's – I just love the the awareness, like – Major League pitchers have three or four pitches. I need three or four pitches. He knows what he needs to do. Mm-hmm. Once again, saying the things that we don't hear major leaguers, minor leaguers say, there's like, this is what I need to do. He's determined he's going to get it done. He's going to do it. Well, and he picked that up when he was on rehab. Yeah. He learned, he learned how to throw a curveball while he was rehabbing his elbow with Robbie Erlin and Colin Ray and those guys yeah. down in Arizona. I, had, I, I love that, that he's picking the brains of the people that are, that are above him. He, a lot of these kids are just off goofing around doing their own thing. Yeah, right. I know how to throw. No, he wants to be. He wants to be the best. Right. He's got the drive. And even giving kudos to the to the major league guys, they're like, oh, it's some kid, you know, rehabbing his Tommy no, John surgery. You got to pass that down. Right. It's right. a culture. It's a family. Speaking on his rehabbing uh, from Tommy John, Paddock said, "I worked as hard as I could physically, but also tried to go over all my starts in my head to think what I could do better mentally." If I was going to be out for that amount of time, I was going to think of every way possible to get better. That's just, you know, and I was listening to the the show before the show podcast earlier this week. That's actually uh, Sam Dykstra and Tyler Mon, where they have the uh, the official minor league podcast. And they had their end of the, our mid-season kind of review and who stood out. And Sam Dykstra mentioned Chris Paddock. 
Well, he's one of the quickest risers. At the beginning of the yeah. season, people said, well, he was good before he got hurt. Let's see what, what happens. And now he's just rocketing up. So he's already on several top 100 lists. Yeah. And if he keeps this up all season, he's just going to keep bumping up and up and up and up those lists. Yeah, it started this year at 96 in the top 100 MLB pipeline. On MLB, okay. It's got to be shooting up. Anyways, and then Sam Dyster picked it. Sorry, Tyler Maughan mentioned Austin Allen for his kind of like breakout player in the minor league. So it's nice to see that we're getting, uh, you know, we're always getting recognition. And they ended up spending like five or seven minutes on on just how chock full of talent our minor league system is. Everyone knows it. It's ad ad nauseum. Um, but it's nice to see those guys talk about it. And uh, I love that podcast. Our so. guys are getting national press. Not to be overshadowed by Chris Paddock, lefty Nick Markovich just was outstanding in a storm debut. As the Southpaw pitched only six shutout innings to start the Cal League stint, yeah, Chris Baker, which, which is fantastic for, for, you know, in the Cal League, it's a hitter's league, um, coming up, your debut, and doing well. Yeah. Um, Chris Baker went three for four with two runs in HR and three RBIs. Uh, Chris Baker, I, I watched him. I watched him a couple of years ago. I'm like, oh, I follow him on Instagram, and he kind of fell off the map. What happened was, is he he he, hit, he got hit in the head by a pitch. Let me just read this here. Baker's had a rough year that started in spring when he was hit in the head by a pitch. He missed some time in May after being hit once again. Wow. <laughs> uh, he has some sneaky pop in his bat, and it's six for fourteen over his last four games. He figures to bounce around the dirt for you know. For the rest of the season, in between second and short, probably third. He's kind of a utility guy. Yeah. that's He always has been. But, God, getting hit twice in the head? Yeah, man. I mean, <sighs> you see what Al, what Alan Cordoba's gone through this year. Yeah. Coming back from a concussion, as a, from a car accident. Well, and, and imagine getting hit in the head by a 96-mile-an-hour fastball, like getting in a car accident, they say, and then it happening again. Yeah, so you get hit while you're batting, Ugh. and now you got to go step in that box again and stay oh, in. There's inside pitch. you got to stay in and fight it off. Man, that's that's I can I can't even imagine how hard that must be. Uh, absolutely. So moving on uh, to continue with our it seems to be like the pitching episode <laughs> till later on. Even even the interview with Dylan, uh, we're going to be asking about pitching. Uh, Mackenzie Gore earned his first pro win this last Wednesday by throwing six scoreless innings. This is the first time he'd reached in, uh, five innings in any of his games. Well, because of the the limit, limitations with the blister, right? They were limiting him to thirty, fifty pitches, something like that. So he can finally he's finally free from that. It seems like the blister is a thing of the past. Uh, it is, and he had his best start through eighty six pitches, fifty two for strikes. He topped out at ninety four, and mainly through fastball change, mixing in the occasional slider. You know, the the control still wasn't there. He had quite a three, quite a few three ball counts, and walked two batters over his last two starts. Gore's allowed. No runs on six hits while striking out 11 over 10 innings. And you talked about after that, if you saw the interview on Twitter, and you talked about, I wasn't as good as I thought I should be. I got a lot of three count, you know, to batters. And, you know, I just love the drive of him Mm -hmm. and the awareness. And we're going to talk more about that later with, with Dylan. But just these guys are competitors, and they know what they're doing. They know what they want to do. And they're getting it done. So this well, last Monday, go it, ahead. It sounds like they're 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 being preached on the process, not the results. So you're here to work on the process. We don't care if you win or lose the game. You know, it doesn't matter how many you know what you fill the stat line with. Yeah. It's it's the you know how is your body working? Are you staying within your body? Are you commanding the strike zone? Are you sequencing properly? Are you following the approach that you set out the the preparation before the game in the game plan yeah so it's the 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 process more than the results it's a process driven kind of a thing and you hear the major league players say that but that's got to be really tough to do at the minor league level where you've got such variation in talent from one team to the next and then stuff happens behind you you get i mean these are kids they're learning the game they're still learning the mechanics of defense. Right. So you get some errors that go on or something crazy happens, like a fastball pops through the catcher's glove <laughs> and uh, passed ball, and then the inning gets away from you. Exactly. Well, speaking of that, this last Monday was um, was McGore's second, second, uh, second start. Sorry, uh, He pitched well again, but took a hard-looked loss. Uh, the lefty went five innings and allowed just two runs on three hits. While there was some minor concern amongst the fan base about Gore, he's showing that he can be dominant after blister issues slowed him down. Excuse me, slowed him down to start the season. Once again, he's just allowed two earned runs over nine hits in the last 15 innings. 
course, 4.06 ERA. It's been inflated. The first few starts, he was just giving up all kinds of runs. But during that game, he, uh, he th one, of the, one of the runs that were scored was a pass ball because he threw a fastball and it broke the webbing of Luis Camposano's glove and it was a pass ball. That makes me think of the natural when he hits the cover off the ball. I mean, <laughs> these are like legendary kind of things. We'll, we'll hear about that the time that, that Mackenzie Gore threw it right through the catcher's mitt. Right, or, or Bugs Bunny when he throws the ball and it goes right through the glove with smoke <laughs> and a burn outline. Yep. Um, <laughs> they need to save that glove all destroyed and have him autograph it and put it in an archive somewhere so that can go up in the, uh, the Padres Hall of Fame years from now. Yeah. So that's great. You're having two solid starts from, from Mackenzie Gore, and we asked more about this when we talked to Dylan later on in the, uh, in the episode here. But also, a very another, another to moving on, Another very well received, or well um, deserved promotion. Buddy Reed's promoted the Double A once again. Not a secret. Everyone knew he was doing so well. Everyone knows that he got. It was just a matter of time before he got uh, promoted. Yeah, so he was off to a hot. He hitting three twenty four, leading the league in stolen bases, hitting for power, um, and and. Gold glove defense in yeah. the outfield. Yeah. I mean, he's just an he's electric player everywhere you look. So he grew up playing hockey and soccer and other sports. He's kind of new to baseball. No. And so now he's putting it all together his second year in pro ball. It's, it's amazing. So to go off the script a little bit, um, one thing we don't have on our notes here is the Futures game that yeah. they announced the rosters. Yeah. So Buddy Reed was, was announced as a member of the Futures game roster which he's, he just barely got into double-A ball. And he's going to be playing with on, a, on a, a roster that's guys, way over right. his head. But he deserves it. Absolutely. I mean, he's been one of the most exciting players in the whole organization this year. Yeah. And, and a surprise, you know, really surprised to, to have him do so well. Uh, that, but that's what I like about the Futures game. It's not just triple-A guys. It's a mix of the top talent from A ball to double-A to triple-A. And playing all against each other, so he might see a Triple A, you know, really good player from Triple A or a solid Double A starter. Um, speaking of which, with his first game, struck out his only at bat, uh, struck out, and then uh, went over three, I think. Uh, had an error in the game, but he's in Double A. He's there. Let's give him time to figure it out. For sure. For sure. So moving on, next we have our interview with Dylan Sin. He's the Journal Gazette uh, writer. He's the beat writer. So we got a bunch of questions for him yeah. about the Fort Wayne Tin Caps. Thank you. The coaches, <laughs> uh, the coaching staff, the, the pitchers, the position players. Um, so we're going to cut to our interview with Dylan Sin. Uh, Dylan Sin from Fort Wayne Tinkaps beat writer for the Journal Gazette. Dylan, how are you? I'm good. Glad to be here. Fantastic. Two technology. We're, we're going to get this interview in one way or another. We finally figured it out, and uh, um, we're glad you're here. So thanks for joining us. Uh, I want to start off with a question here. Yeah. Uh, Andy Contreras is third season with the Tinkaps. I hear he's an excellent manager for a young club. What does he do to prepare the players for? For the season and for the beginning of a pro career in ball, in pro ball, sorry. Yeah, I, I, I kind of had the same reaction as that he is a very good manager, and part of what makes him such a good manager, especially for young players, is that he really preaches uh, getting the details of the game right. He wants to make sure his philosophy is partly that the tin caps don't beat themselves. Uh, they, they take care of the details. They do the little things right. They, they uh, can execute a bunt when they need to. Uh, they know where they're going with the ball when it's hit to them. And obviously most of the players know that by this point in their careers. But it does help to hammer that home at these lower levels of the minors. And the other part of it to me is that he always hammers on uh, routine and getting into a routine and making sure that you stick to it and stick to what makes you successful. And so if a player has uh, can get into a routine, that helps to bring him success. If he can stick with that. It's something that can stay with him even as he gets to the higher levels. And so that's something they want to get into the players' heads now is that this is something that major league players do. They have a routine. They go to the park every day at a certain time. They do certain things before the game, and they want to make sure the tin caps do that as well. Right, and you hear that from guys that come up, and they and they – you know, they'll find a player that's been around, a veteran player that's been around, and 
mimics what he does and, and watches his routine and and that's you know, that's actually that's that's fundamentals one on one. God, you know, just Bert Hooten, the, the pitching coach of the Tin Caps, he that, he just must love coming into work every day and uh, working with all this young talent. If you can talk about what he does to guide the Padres' treasure chest of pitching talent, uh, is there a certain pitch that the organization wants them to work on? Is a change? Or can you talk about that? Yeah, uh, well, you're you're absolutely right that Bert Hooten loves coming to work. From everything I can tell, he had he had a lot of fun being a pitching coach for the Tin Cats. And I, I wouldn't say it's so much a certain pitch uh, that he wants them to, the, the Padres want their pitchers to throw. It's more about a mindset, and the mindset is really to go out there and attack. They want them throwing strikes early in counts. They don't want them nibbling. Uh, they want to make sure they 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 set up the uh, the off speed pitches with well placed fastballs. And, and then to use all their pitches to make sure that as, as they get deeper into the game, that they're mixing pitches well. And that's something that I think just about it. I mean, the Tin Caps have had some of the best starting pitching of any team in their league, certainly this year. Um, and I think part of it is because they make sure that they're not getting too fastball happy. They make sure they mix their, their off-speed pitches in there, and I think that's really important for them. In, uh, in single A, there's a lot of turnover of players. So what do they do to try to prepare for a team that's coming in? There's not a lot of advanced scouting. There's not a lot of, um, you know, like video or anything like that that they can show the, the guys. Exactly. And that's, that's part of the reason that the routine is so important because it's less about preparing for the team that's coming in and more about preparing yourself. Uh, that, that's why they want to make sure they – a phrase um, Anthony Contreras uses a lot is, you control what you can control. And so you're right, there's not a whole lot of video, although other teams probably have video because the Tin Caps are on TV all the time. So they probably <laughs> have but the Tin Caps don't have that advantage. So uh, they, they do have to make sure that they control what they can control. Um, obviously, if they faced um, a, a pitcher before, that's something they can go back and, probably, and have a little bit of a discussion uh, in the clubhouse with, between the hitters saying, here's what uh, we saw from this guy last time, here's what we should be preparing for this time, and vice versa with the pitchers. But you're right, there's no video. They're, they're not spending hours uh, watching tape like major leaguers are, and, and so it's important to have uh, the routine down and make sure that you're doing what you can to make sure you're, you're prepared for yourself. Okay, so you mentioned pitch, you know, pitch mixes. Do, do the coaches let them call their own pitches, or are they calling pitches? Are they working on pitch, you know, a, a pitch sequence? Or are, are Bert and uh, Anthony kind of calling those pitches from dugout? I, I, I think it kind of depends on on, uh, on who's behind the play. I think I think most often they're, they're calling the pitches. I think uh, Luis Campisano has a little bit of, uh, of rain to call some of his own pitches because he he is kind of the main catcher. Uh, Jalen Washington also a little bit because uh, yeah he's he's also a guy that catches a lot. Um, but a lot of the time it's, it's Contreras and who uh, kind of calling pitches from the dugout, which, which makes sense because it is low single A and uh, that that's something that it's a responsibility of the catchers especially uh, for Camposano, who's only been catching since he was a junior in high school. Uh, it's something that they uh, they um, don't want to put on their shoulders quite yet at this level. Right, and then at, at a development level, Luis Camposano, all the catches that can really develop what works, what doesn't work, and what pitch sequences work, which each pitcher, and, and how to use that. That's, that's excellent. Um, God, where do I start? I, Aaron Lesher. This year's Midwest All-Star starter. He kind of came out of nowhere. Can you tell us a little bit about him? Fifth in the league at ERA. What's his name? Yeah, yeah. He's so he's got uh, he's he's kind of the standard 91, 92 with his fastball. Places it really well. Um, he, he's an athletic guy. Throws uh, a changeup and a curve. Uh, doesn't throw as much of a slider. But what the, the key for him this year has really been the the location. He hasn't walked many guys. Uh, he gets a lot of soft contact. That's kind of the key for him. Is he's not afraid uh, to let the defense behind him do some work. And, and he's just a really smart guy. Um, he, he goes out there and he knows when, when a pitch is called, he knows where he wants to put it. And, uh, he, like I said, he trusts his defense. And, and the other part is that there was a, about a three-week period there where he was piggybacking for other guys. He wasn't starting the game. He was coming in and piggybacking for other starters, usually McKenzie Gore. Um, and he would go out there and 
treat it like a start and go out there and pitch just as well. So I think that kind of adaptability has been uh, important for him as well. He's not scared of any moment out there. Nice. Yeah, I, I've read a couple of, uh, couple of things about him being a very cerebral pitcher, you know, more like the, the professor pragmatic type, real thoughtful, yeah. wants to do and, 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 and then execute. Osvaldo um, Hernandez leads immediately. I wrote down 2-point ERI. It could be lower by now. But, uh, you know, yeah. two innings pitch, 62 Ks and 20 base on balls. You know, what pitches does he throw and, and what's he working on? Yeah, he uh, he is mostly a, a fastball slider guy, um, and Hernandez is uh, as, as you said, he he's been one of the best pitchers in the Midwest League for a big chunk of this season. Uh, he had two rough starts; his first two starts of the year were pretty rough. After that, he yeah. rattled off twelve starts in a row where he didn't give up, where he gave up two runs or fewer. That's twelve in a row. That, that's pretty incredible consistency. Um, and as you said, his ERA uh, going into his last start was even two point. Zero zero, but for the thing, uh, but the thing for him is to make sure that uh, he he's a very he can get emotional on the mound, um, and, and sometimes he, he can um, get get out of his comfort zone when he gets emotional. Mm. So the the key for him is been kind of reining that in. He's gotten a lot better with that as the season's gone on, and I think that's part of the reason that he's having so much success is because he's able to calm down, take a deep breath. Sometimes he can start rushing a little bit. That's never not something you want to see as a pitcher. So he's been able to calm down, take a deep breath, and really go out there. And when things don't go his way, he's been able to recover a lot, a lot better as the season goes on. That's crazy to me that the best pitcher of the rotation was the one that didn't get picked for the All-Star game. <laughs> yeah, that was. I think it's just because he came on a little bit later. He was good at the beginning of the season, but he really was great, especially in June. And I think by then people had already kind of made up their minds about who they were going to choose for the All-Stars. And so he kind of flew under the radar a little bit. Uh, well, talk about flying under the radar. Uh, Luis Patino, God, it, I love his wind-up. I love his stuff. Um, he's like a right-handed Mackenzie Gore with a high leg kick. <laughs> yeah, hands held high, high leg kick. Um, what is going on with, with, with Luis Patino? He, he he got here in the middle of May. He got to Fort Wayne in the middle of May, and it became obvious right away that he deserves to be here. He is the youngest pitcher in the Midwest League. He's 18 years old, um, and so he, that makes him about three years younger than the average player in the Midwest League. But he absolutely deserves to be there. He has great stuff. It's fastball. He, he uh, 95, 96. Uh, he gets to 97 every once in a while, and he places it on the black. It, it, it is very, very uh, accurate. And he just, he has, like, I think you said it, he has the best stuff on the roster outside of Mackenzie Gore. Um, and you know, and, he's been really exciting to watch going out there every every, every six days. And I'm going to tell myself, I was, uh, I was watching his start uh, on the MILB TV app on the way home from work and uh, just. Wait, not like while you were driving, were you? No, well, it was traffic. Traffic was really slow. <laughs> Traffic was slow. I had time to watch, but he was <laughs> hard, hard fastball, and in throwing the changeup, it was just they were getting silly swings from these guys. Um, right, I'm, we're really excited about him, and, and the thing about the the pitching and all the talent in, in Fort Wayne is the 19, maybe got a 20 year old. I think uh, Rad he's a veteran, uh, and he's coming back from a rehab, and, and he's 23. Um, you, you know, you see a picture of. of, of you're like, wow, that guy's kind of old. Yeah, they call him Grandpa. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, well, let's finish the pitching part of the interview with Mackenzie Gorge. Last two starts. Last start was a tough luck loss, and uh, I was just telling Roy before we came on that he threw a fastball and it broke the webbing of, of Camposano's glove and, you know, caused a pass ball or score a run. But the, the first professional win was absolutely dominating. What... Is the organization, or what, can you tell us about what the organization really has in store for him other than just building up uh, arm strength and collecting innings and just kind of really getting to his first full professional season? Yeah, I, I think you kind of nailed it right there. That's the main thing right now. Um, one of his previous starts, I think it was a couple of weeks ago, uh, Contreras told me after the game that uh, basically they, they wanted to go out there, they wanted to be aggressive, they wanted to pitch the way they know he can, but if he's healthy, they consider it a successful start. And so that, that's kind of where the expectations are for him right now uh, organizationally. Uh, on the other hand, for himself, his expectations for himself 
are incredibly high. He goes out every time he goes out there and starts. There's always something he says after the game. I could have done this better. I could have I could have pitched deeper into the game. I could have given us a better chance to win. You know, and that's something that you you don't know if you're getting that. The guy's got number three overall pick, got a signing bonus of almost seven million dollars. You don't know if he's going to have that attitude at single A, but he absolutely does. And he he is his toughest critic from everything I can tell. And uh, he has the he has the drive. He wants to get better every single start. And, uh, to my mind, he really has this year. His last two starts, even though he lost the last one, uh, he went ten and two thirds scoreless uh, for one stretch there. And just his fastball command is the thing that stands out for me. I, I read it just kind of that that was his calling card. But it, it really is impressive seeing him run it up there at 94, 95, 96, and just put anywhere he wants to in any count. It's been really impressive. I guess with a with a guy that's got that kind of drive and that kind of um, understanding of his own game and his own mechanics, you just you have to turn him loose for a while and let him grow at his own pace. I'm sure the coaches are watching and making sure that he's you know staying within his body and everything. But uh, I guess when you got a horse like that, you just kind of have to turn him loose for a season, like a wild stallion thoroughbred. <laughs> yeah, like a yeah thoroughbred, really. You know, it, 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 I mean, can you drop slow down or something like that? You just go and keep him healthy. Yeah, well, when he was coming off the DL, he had, he had a couple of those starts where he, they, they had to hold him to three innings, 50 pitches, things like that. He would come out after the game, you talked to him, and, he, and it was pretty obvious that, that he, want, he wanted to go more. He wanted to go out there and pitch six seven innings because he knows that he can, and he knows that, that gives the team a better chance to win. So it's almost like for him, he's really got to hold himself back because he knows he wants to stay healthy, too. Now, did you know now, the blisters? Did they were they caused by you know just him throwing for you know, for the first time often, or was it pitch grip? Or do you know anything about why he was getting those blisters? So that that's something they've been really coy about. Um, we've asked him repeatedly, we've asked Contreras repeatedly, and they both profess that they're really not sure what caused it. Um, the, 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 the best sign that we've seen is that for the last five or six weeks in a row now, there's been no recurrence of it. So I, I don't really want to speculate on, on what actually caused it. But for now, from everything I've uh. heard, it seems like it's a thing of the past. So um, I guess for Padres fans, fingers crossed it stays that way. Uh, aiming for a scoop. But uh, going back to real quick, I see the interviews on Twitter, uh, and Glory, he, he, he just – he – just emits leadership. He emits drive. Like he, you see, the guy's well thought out. He, he's not some just kid just going like, yeah, I'd pitch better. He's all business. He's all business, and and I love that draw. That that slow draw of just talking like that. Just <laughs> man, that's just it's gonna play really good in Southern California. Um, um, let's move. Yeah, let's move on. Um, we have about four minutes left here. And Terso analysis is showing he has a pop in his bat. And is an advanced pro, uh, an advanced approach at the plate. Thank you very much. Uh, how is his defense? His defense is not bad. He is when he came into the organization. He uh, he was not as athletic as he is now. It's been, it's been a year in the organization for him now. He's, he's uh, put some muscle on, some lean muscle. Uh, has, has lost a little bit of weight, gotten uh, a lot more athletic, and he's out there. He can make most of the plays in the outfield. Is he going to be an above-average defender uh, in the major league? Probably not. But his bat is good enough that in a corner, it's going to play regardless. So I, like he was playing center field for a while, wasn't he, over the winter? Yeah, a little bit, a little bit there too. I, I don't think he sticks there, and he hasn't played there much this season. Maybe just one or two games because the Tin Caps have uh, Rosario out there, but. He's, he's definitely good enough to play a corner. Uh, he's not going to be a liability. That, that, that's absolutely for sure. Yeah, talk about athleticism. I mean, Jason Rosario, we've seen him do the backflip in the dance contest. <laughs> uh, is there anything that Jason Rosario can't do? So I, I, I really don't think so. I, I think he has – the only thing people would like to – maybe uh, scouts would like to see from him is a little more power. He only does have the one home run this year. But in the last – when I was uh, covering them last week, they had a seven-game home stay, and he had triple back-to-back games. So there, there's some power there, some gap power. Um, he is, is walking at a 20% – Great this year, which is incredible for an 18-year-old at single A. Uh, his defense in center field is about as good as it gets, and he is just a, a terror on the base pass. 
So he's it's 15 really, years old. He's not even grown into his frame yet. Exactly, exactly. And that's, that's what makes people optimistic that the power could come at a later date. He might be a 10 to be home run guy. So how fun is Gable Arias to watch? I and mean, we see him on the, we, you know, we see him watch, we watch the games and it's, he's like poetry in motion there. Oh, the hands and the strong arm. It's, it's amazing. It, it, it really is. He's out there at short and uh, you, every time the ball is hit in his direction, you know that there's a chance that you're going to see something that you probably would normally see at single leg because he does have the range but it really is the arm it's something you almost have to see in person because with the tv they cut when you when you make the throw they cut to the first the camera at first base but when you see it in person and he makes that throw from short left field all the way to first base and it just hums that's when you know that that guy is special at short and so the, the bat is lagging a little bit behind where um where people thought it might be at this point, but he's only uh, 18 as well, so I think it's going to get there. And uh, he is a special defender at short, so he doesn't have to hit all that much to, to play. Nice. We've got, nice. we got about 40 seconds left. Is there anyone there that uh, the fans could, uh, that, that's flying under the radar that we haven't talked about that you see uh, is someone we should look out for? The guy, that, the guy that uh, I think is, is, is still under a lot of people's radar this year and is now uh, very squarely in the center is Robbie Fedorsky, uh playing left field. He has, we talked about how, how much of an athlete Rosario was. I think Fedorsky might be the only guy on the team that's more athletic. Uh, he is a speed demon. Every time he gets on first base, the assumption is he's going to run. Um, and every Ten seconds. All into play on the ground. He is uh, just absolutely a uh, terror. So it, 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 he's incredibly fun to watch, and he's hitting 360. <laughs> Thank you very much. Yeah. Okay, so that just timed us out. We just hit the 20 minutes. It, we, we, we got to 20 minutes free. <laughs> you can call him back. Uh, we can fire uh, it up. Is again. he done? Dylan? I, I don't know. I don't know what the app does. Dylan, are you there? Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm here. Still there. All right. Yeah, so, I don't think we're recording anymore. Are we're we? not recording anymore, but... We, I didn't pay for the app. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll pay for it because this seems to be just as fun. Well, now we need to make sure that they're recorded and everything is good. Right. Uh, but if it does record, uh, thank you so much. Thank you so much for coming on. And uh, it's been kind of a, been a challenging to take a lead for us to, to get this interview. Uh, we'd love to talk to you again at the end of the season or, you know, in several more weeks or so. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm available anytime you guys want to talk. I, I, that's, that's fine with me. I, I, I had fun. So. Right on. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you so much, John. Talk to you later. Absolutely. If you need anything else from me, just let me know. All right, brother. Take, take care. All right. You too. Bye. All right, so that was an interview with Dylan Sin from the Fort Wayne Journal-Cazette. Thank you very much, Dylan, for joining us. Uh, the, that was a great interview. Uh, we had a good time, you know, question and answer. He gave a lot of insight about the coaches and Absolutely. kind of what the thought processes are, what they're working on. Um, and some of the personalities in the in the uh, in the dugout there. And, and and sorry, folks that are listening, that we you know we had to do this on a, on an app that recorded the phone call, and it was a, we didn't know if it was twenty minutes sharp, and then it was the end of the at the end of the recording or what. Well, I've been trying to figure out how to get freaking Skype to record on a Windows computer, on a MacBook. It's technical difficulties all over the place. So and, that was our fallback. And it was our fallback. And also, I'm sure Dylan had something to do with his side of the end because he couldn't. We could call him, but he wouldn't be able to answer. Whenever he answered, it would, boop, call ended. I, yeah, who knows? I told him I was going to blame him. I really, <laughs> But we really appreciate him coming on. We um, can't throw our guest under the bus. Come uh, on now. No, not our, our first guest, too. Oh, man, we're never going to have anyone else again. Oh, so Moving. on to the storm. Yeah. The Lake Elsinore storm. Man, I, I want to go to a game so bad. I haven't I just, you know, I work Friday and Saturday nights now. It's Man, it's tough. I'm dying to get up there. Yeah, well, uh, the schedule's got to line up. I mean, they have Sunday games. I don't know if they're in town this weekend, but we're going to the Padres game this Sunday, so we can't go even if they are in town. I saw they're doing some Groundhog Day uh, thing. Yeah, they're doing like movie theme nights. They had Big Lebowski night a couple weeks ago. Oh, on Monday they did nothing, nothing night. Have you seen that? No. 
But I so, thought every night's nothing so night at Beckle Park. Night, that means there's no music. There's no in-between innings entertainment. Uh, it's free admission. Really? But I find that interesting that you don't have all the other stuff that happens. It's just baseball. And you have the announcer calling out the name of the player that's yeah. about to bat and the changes. But that's it. It's just baseball. And I, I, want, to, I want to go to that sometime. It would be nice to be a throwback to old, old school baseball it when be. they didn't have to entertain the fan base. Yes. Even for, even for a, you know, a team that touches the Padres, even oh, throughout any ballpark, there is an entertainment oh. segment to in between innings. I would, I would miss Thunder, though. Yeah, their I mascot. Thunder. I love Thunder. Yeah, isn't 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 Angela having an affair with Thunder? Uh, yeah, they've they've got some kind of a some kind of a thing on the side. <laughs> but. <laughs> now the storm ain't ever going to answer my phone calls. Um, moving on, this last Monday for the third straight start, Ronald Bolanos allowed one earned run or less over six innings. During that time, he has a one ERA, allowing eleven hits, striking out thirteen over eighteen innings. Since May ten, Bolanos says allowed fewer than two runs six times in ten starts. No other current Storm pitcher has accomplished that after Paddock's promotion. After Paddock. After Paddock's promotion. So Paddock did it, but now Ronald Bolaño, so he's starting to come. I guess somebody needs to take his place, and you got Nick Margovicius that just moved up. But uh, you've got um, Avila, Pedro Avila. He's starting to look good. Uh, Emmanuel Ramirez. I just I, I love how stacked our rosters right, are. Right. I just can't get enough of it. And of course, Morhone Baez. So he pitched really well. Let's move on to the missions here, real quick. Sure. Uh, this last week, John Connor from Mad Friars, um, shout out to Mad Friars, was uh, reported from San Antonio. Uh, he caught Logan's Allen last start, and it, you know it's been one of the best starters in the Texas League. But this last Friday start, the 21 year old ran into some problems in the first inning, gave up three runs despite the loss. The left-hander faced a minimum number of batters from the second inning through the seventh. I watched that game. The first inning gives it up, and then seems to calm down, settle down, and just was cruising. That's nice because a lot of guys they'll let that one, you know, a couple of things happen, and it wrecks their whole outing. Yeah, I think we saw that last night in Petco. Oh, jeez! Minor league ballpark, minor league, minor league podcast. <laughs> sorry, uh, sorry, folks. Anyways, to get back to the game. Um, you know, the flashing of fastball that sat between 91 and 94, along with the plus change, Allen said of his performance, if that's the worst outing that I've had all year, I'll take it. The issue for me was not giving up the runs, which I don't want to do, but throwing 38 pitches in the first inning. I've been really good at being efficient. In my last outing, I threw 87 pitches in seven innings, which is where I need to be. 87 pitches in, in seven innings is fantastic. Well, after giving up 38 the first. Yeah. After the first inning, I changed. The rest of the game, it was like, here's my heater, hit it. <laughs> here's the heater, hit it. I started getting to better accounts where I could use my off-speed and breaking balls, that which worked. It's not what you want in the first inning, but part of being a big leaguer is that you have to bounce back and compete. Well, I like that he's got that confidence in his fastball. Yeah, yeah. And they say that that's, that really is his strongest pitch, not because of the velocity, because of the movement and the location that he can pinpoint it. He can put it on a corner. So if he's going to go out there and he's going to go ahead and kind of shrink down his strike zone and live in the strike zone and just dare the people to do something with it, I love that. That makes me think of, hey, that, that's a pitcher. That's not just yeah. a thrower. I'm not right. just going to go up there and throw gas and throw filthy stuff. I'm going to, I'm going to pitch around inside the strike zone and <laughs> manipulate the batters, induce weak contact, get deep into games. That's, I, I love it. And he's 21. Yeah. He's barely 21. Yeah. Um, so that's about what all we had for missions. We, we kind of make this real short, but uh, I wanted to get into El Paso. Um, Force all day. Okay, so the former he was a former Red Sox draft pick. We signed him as a minor league free agent this last winter. Came up a double shy of the cycle uh, last Wednesday. Has collected his fourth multi-hit game in the last five. Now that's Wednesday. Friday had three hits. Saturday three more hits. Sunday four for six. I mean that's. That's some hot. That's some hot talent. Bob, even if it is yeah. a signed minor league contract, he was named the PCL Player of the Week after hitting 600 with 18 hits, eight extra base hits, and 31 total bases last week. Yeah, he's hitting six. He's hitting 600. Uh, now he doesn't have a whole lot of power. No, but and that's and that's fine. Power, you know. I, I know the game is changing. Everyone wants home runs and don't care about strikeouts. 
Power will come. Whatever happened to power will come. Well, but he's he's an older prospect. He's what twenty seven, I think. Yeah, he is. He's not. I mean, prospect doesn't really even apply. Right. He's kind of an organizational filler kind of a guy. But if he keeps hitting like this, maybe he'll get a chance. You know, somebody That's, gets hurt, he might get a call up. I don't. It's unlikely. But if nothing else, it's it's cool to see somebody do you know do great things like that. Uh, absolutely. Um, so I wanted to give him his props. Brett Kennedy's last. So back to the last Thursday, Brett Kennedy had a. Outstanding outing, seven innings pitched, six hits, zero runs, zero earned, a base on ball, 2K. He's allowed one earned run or less in nine of his last 12 starts. He's our next He's our next call-up. He's got to be the next call-up. Yeah. He'll and be in our next Major League Minute. He's going to be eligible for the Rule 5 draft in December, if he wasn't already. Right. And so it only makes sense for them to call him up at some point. And and give him a long term audition with the major league team and see what they got out in him. Yeah, I mean you've got all this depth net behind him. Next year they're going to have to add so many guys to the roster this off season. Yeah. You've got all these guys that are going to be moving up from Double A. Um, there's got to be a spot for him. So you need to see what you got out of this guy. You know, maybe even throw him in a trade package to get a little bit better talent. Oh, with someone from the major league team. There's one other talent that he has at the uh, the All Star game. Yeah. he won the pitcher's bunting contest. Nice. Yeah. Nice. That's 69. That's nice. Yeah. Okay, that's getting real. Hey, a pitcher's <laughs> got to be able to lay down a bunt yeah, and, no, no, and with accuracy and all that. It's, it's it was, a skill. It was my 69 comment I shouldn't have said. That was just seventh grade stuff. <laughs> um, moving on to Tri-Cities, this last Monday, Henry Henry, H squared, the 80 scout name, turned into another excellent outing, throwing five stellar innings for Tri-City. Henry walked just one and struck out seven. The 3.03 ERA is second in the league. I want him to do well. Something in my heart, ever since I seen him in the, in the back then, it was the Padres on deck game, was the first one. Mm-hmm. Um, I just see him maybe as, as a ruse reliever. He's probably going to end up in the bullpen. Something in my heart says Henry Henry comes out of the bullpen. I'm okay with that. That's fine. I mean, there's so much depth in the organization that you got to figure some of these guys are going to shake out to become, uh, to become relievers. Uh, before, we, before we move on, uh, it's worth saying that uh, Owen Miller for Tri City Dust Devil has you know there's the interview on Mad Friars that's uh, really good and the interview with the EV, uh, East Village Times uh, has another interview with Owen Miller. This kid is just tearing it up in short season. He is. He's a shortstop. Yep. Um, but what I like about Owen Miller, so Preller has this this reputation for signing and drafting freak athletes with these electric loud tools. Owen Miller isn't necessarily that guy. He can hit, he can he can control the strike zone, he can hit for contact, but he's a ball player. He's got the baseball IQ. He's got the good mechanics. He knows how to work with, with other players. He knows how to communicate. So it's I, they're, they're, yeah, they draft the guys with the crazy tools, but then they also sign a fair number of guys like Owen Miller that have the other things that you want in a ball player. You've got to have that, that mix. Knowledge, the acumen. Yeah. For lack of a better term. Yeah, and the leadership skills too. I mean, Grant Little, the outfielder, is another another guy like that. There was a good interview, um, I, w- I want to say it was in The Athletic. Uh, there was a piece on him. He's an outfielder. He's a center fielder. He wants to stick in center field uh, out of Texas Tech, and he makes great plays in the outfield. Go on. Finish your sentence. But uh, he wants to stick in center field, but he's going to do whatever they want him to do. He can play in the infield. Uh, same with Owen Miller. He can move around the, the ballpark a little bit, yeah. but the guy's a ball player. Yeah, and you can mold that into whatever we need. Yes. And that makes him more valuable. That mm-hmm. makes him uh, accelerate up. Uh, Faster. Hey, look at Ben Zobrist. Exactly. And he's the ultimate. And that's your shining example of everything. He's everything to everyone player. Yeah. I'll it does do, it well. I'll do whatever it takes to get help the team win. That's Absolutely. But what I, wanted to say, what I wanted to say real quick is the article, there was an article in the local paper out of Tri-Cities that had uh, that talked to Grant Little. Maybe that was the one you were talking about. Okay. Because he's like, I never, I didn't, he talked about, I never been out here before. I didn't know this place was here. And, Oh, there, he referenced um, Johnny Gomes' uh, older brother runs a summer league in, in like up in wine country, and so uh, Grant Little 
all of a sudden he showed increased pop this year. Okay. And he said it wasn't because I got stronger. It wasn't because I started swinging harder. Was it the wine? It was no. It was an understanding of where you want to make contact in the zone. Understanding what pitches you want to hit and how to how to approach them. Maybe they cleaned up a little bit about his swing plane, right. but he's trying to hit the ball more out in front and things like that. But I I I always find it interesting hearing who people are working with. And, and how they're coming across these little lessons, especially guys that are in college or the amateur ranks. Yeah, yeah. So this is in a summer league in the off-season of college, and he was in Northern California with Johnny Gomes' brother. <laughs> Go figure. Johnny Gomes' brother to... Er, I, I, Johnny Gomes was the ball player. Right. And then this guy was his brother. I can't remember his name. It started with a J. I wasn't that one I wanted to say. Johnny Gomes' money ball. Yes. Okay. Money yes. ball, Money Johnny. Ball. That's right. That's right. <laughs> well, David J was uh, was in Tri Cities this last week. Uh, reported from Giza Stadium, talking about Ramon Perez set a career high with eight strikeouts over five and two thirds innings. Who? Ramon Perez. Never heard of the guy. Well, now we have another guy we can add on to the. <laughs> I love it. Add on to pile on to all the hot lava talent. Um. God, he threw me off there. He turned 19 last week, showed better velocity than we saw last year, sitting 89-91, touching 94 a few times. Uh, he also makes in his curve and chains effectively, using them anywhere in the count, which is very important. Um, Coach Mike McCoy, the difference today was he worked ahead. He had a good curveball working in. He was efficient with his pitches so he could pitch deeper into the game. In the past, he's pitched well, but his pitch count gets elevated, so he's got to get out. He's got to get out in the fourth or fifth inning. It was nice to see him work more efficiently and give us some more length. Another player in Tri Cities is killing it, Oliver Bazzabe. Mm hmm. Lays a double in the third. Later, uh, later uh, excuse me. He lays a double in that game. That's all I have to say about that. Um, the, Coach, uh, Coach McMoy, McCoy on Bazzabe, he really been swinging the bat well over the last four or five days. He's been hitting the balls hard, consistently driving the ball. I'm feeling really confident when I put him in the lineup. It's tough because i got four middle, middle guys, so I've got to rotate them. But a guy has a performance like that, i got to get him back out there. Yeah, I, that's, you've got so many shortstops. You've got all these shortstops lined up. So, yeah, they're an athlete. They can play around the field, but you got to find playing time for everybody. So uh, i gotta, I got to bring up Dan Dallas. Um, Dan Dallas has followed two dominating innings. Once again, wiping out opposing hitters. He works very fast, but not out of control. He's a lefty from Buffalo. He struck out five of the six hitters that he faced in his last game. He struck out nearly half of the batters he's faced so far, working multiple innings in each outing. So this guy's only 20. It's his third year in the organization. Uh, but a lefty who can spot three pitches effectively, uh, he's got to be another quick riser. Last year he was hurt, so that's why he stayed on the shelf last year. He never left Arizona. Uh, but this year he's healthy and he's dominating. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and, and that's we have we have quarter the market on lefties. You know, I, we have what, seven starting pitchers that are lefties that are doing well. Mm -hmm. Um and then just add Dan Dallas in there for another one. And yeah, who knows? Well, I mean, he's, he's more of a reliever type, but you got a bunch of relievers that are in there too. You know, there were some complaints earlier this year when yeah, when we traded for Freddie Galvis. And I guess we'll just make this our major league minute. Oh, geez. I, you know, getting rid of Angel De Los Santos, who you know wasn't protected to do so well in Double A, had done had yeah, some success. They thought that he was going to be pretty good this year, right? Um. But, but then you look at the depth chart, and where does he sit organizationally? And if he was in Double A, how does he fit into that rotation? Absolutely, and and we fall in love with these with these guys. And in his professional debut this last Tuesday, he mm -hmm. did really well. Uh, but what I want to say is just like we, there's so much pitching. There's only forty guys on the roster. There's only twenty five guys on, you know, on the bench. Some of these guys are going to be traded. Some of these guys aren't going to pan out. Some mm -hmm. of these guys are, are just, they're, they're going to have to be let go. Um, we can't hold on to all these guys. So it sucks to see someone like Anya De Los Santos go for who I think is a solid shortstop, a stopgap, as much as it is, light hitting, I don't care. We have plenty more of that. And there's going to be trades with the higher ceiling guys that is just, and I have tweeted it's earlier this week, it, it will grow and a little poo sign. It's just going to, Padre's Twitter is just going to go off the hook. Yeah, I, I think we're all gun shy because of the past. Right. And so I, the, the, the shining example of this is Corey Kluber. 
They traded Corey Kluber away to get Ryan Ludwig. He was going to be the piece to fill out the roster in 2010, and that all blew up in our face. And then, oh, yeah, Corey Kluber goes on, and he becomes a Cy Young Award-winning dominant ace with a capital A. He was an A-ball, though. Wasn't he a high A? Wasn't he with Lake Elsinore back he then? He was, and at the time, he wasn't anything special. He really developed since then. But So now, okay, yeah, you trade away Yell De Los Santos. He looks like he may very well, may well be a very good pitcher in the major leagues as soon as right now. But then you've got so much talent depth in the minors yeah. that you can't really get raw about letting somebody go because you understand that there's this wealth of talent coming up behind them. Yeah. But so it stings right now to watch that guy do well for somebody else. You know, you don't yeah. want you don't want to give up on a relationship and then watch her go find the love of her life and go, I could have been with that. Yeah, that's I think that's yeah. kind of the feeling that, that people have. But it's it, that's not Hopefully, we're looking back at this a few years from now and going, oh, look at all these. We've got our major league roster is yeah. stacked with all these guys that came up from within. So, yeah, there was that guy, but look at all these people. Yeah. That's, 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 I, it, it, we got bit by the Corey Kluber thing because after that, there was nothing. And the right. organization just went into a stall for the last decade. Yeah. And we're just now hopefully starting to see the light to come out of that. Well, and, and to, to think a little further on that, you know, we're like, look at that's our guy. Like, like when I when I saw the box score, I didn't watch the game. I saw the box score. I'm like, yeah, he came up through the. It, that's our guy. Like, if you think Daniel De Los Santos is good, what do you see? What we got coming? Um, and so it's kind of like, yeah, you could have that guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I understand the, I understand the reason why people are angry. They see the starters that come out for the Padres and. And the Johnny Hall staff games that we could bring someone up like that to spot start or even earn his way into the bigs because he pitched really well and, and for Lehigh Valley I think it was mm-hmm. for the AAA, A, yep. um, which is a pitchers <clears throat> is a pitchers kind of league. Um, but go, you know, so I understand being angry about it and you know, it, and Galvis being just a stopgap player till you know till I think Udias comes up and plays short for a half season until the tattoos <laughs> comes up. But anyways, I digress. Um, but still, it's good to see him come up, do well, and I'm saying that's our guy, but you think that's it. you got another thing coming. We have more. Uh, well, let's finish it up with the Arizona Fall League. Jordy Barley. Jordy Barley's our 70th. Let me, I got it right here somewhere. Give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. He's our number 30. He's our number 30 prospect, and he's in complex ball. Was just um, named MLB Pipeline uh, Team of the Week this last week. Uh, shortstop Jody, Jody Barley, 421, 478, 947 slash line. In five games and 19 at-bats, he had eight runs, eight hits, four doubles, two HRs, five RBIs, one base on ball, four Ks, and three stolen bases. Slash that in half, and that's like Reynolds' game last week. <laughs> the, <laughs> the 10 RBI right. game. <laughs> God dang. The man is a menace. But, you know, it, it's great to see... Down on the farm, Jody Barley's one of our top 30 prospects, and he hasn't even gotten to affiliate ball yet. He's slugging 500 in the desert so far this season. So Tucupito Marcano is making a name for himself, which is, a, I love that name. Yeah. Um, I think Tucupito. He's, he's walked twice as much as he's struck out. He's drawn 12 walks of stick strikeouts. Uh, the only game he did not reach base safely via hit or a walk, he got hit by a pitch. Um, so over the last week, he's cooled off, and he's only hitting 375, 429, 458. I love all the middle infielders that we've got. Uh, but then speaking of infielders, here's one that isn't an infielder anymore, Carlos Belen. Uh, he's been converted to pitching. To pitching, yeah. So he was up with Lake Elsinore last year. Now he's coming back as a pitcher. So he struck out the side around a walk and a hit. Um, an impressive inning of relief. Uh, he's been reported to have a fastball in the mid-90s. Um, nine strikeouts and seven innings of work, although he has walked six. So it's a it's a work in progress. It kind of reminds me of Christian Bethencourt when he was working his way back as a, as a pitcher, that yeah. he was getting tons of strikeouts, but he was also walking a ton of guys. Uh, but I, th- I find those projects interesting where you got a player that maybe it didn't quite work out. Well, let's find something else you can do. Yeah, so you put him in the system – 
forget about them. It's like a, like a good stock. You just mm -hmm. buy the stock. You forget about it for a few years and see where you're at in a few years. Yep. So we got Rowan Wick that's on the major the uh, forty man roster, who's a similar kind of a story. Was the outfielder? Yeah. yeah. Robert Stock was a catcher. He was drafted as a catcher, and now he's with the Padres. Well, he's in. He's back in El Paso right now, but he's going to be up and down this year. As a, he looks like he may be an elite. Reliever in the yeah. very near future. Yeah, speaking of that, got our, my Major League Minute, I have Makita's brought up. Makita sent down. <laughs> Makita brought up. Makita sent down. I, like, I, I think sometimes they're just like, all right, we're going to send you down, but just stay in the hotel for a few days. We might need you. Like yeah. they don't send him. He's not flying out of Petco Park uh -huh. right into, into El Paso. He's probably taking a day or two. The organization knows what they're doing. Hey, hang out. We'll take you off the roster. Come back. Yeah. Well, when they get option, they have to stay down for ten days unless there's a DL. There's a DL reason to make a, a, a transaction. So I got a story like that because Walker Lockett. Walker Lockett got called up, and he was supposed to make the start the other day when Luis Perdomo did. So he and Phil Maton both got called up on the same day. All of so Lockett, they were on separate flights. Maton's flight arrived in San Diego on time. Lockett's flight was supposed to bounce through Arizona, and it got diverted. And so he didn't wind up arriving. He didn't make it to the start of the game. Right, and right. And so that's why Perdomo wound up starting that game instead. And so then, like, 8.30, we're sitting out there by the bullpen. We're talking to Darren, uh, to uh, uh, Doug Bockler before the game. He's like, yeah, Walker Lockett isn't here. He's not going to be here yet. Uh, and he was on the active roster. So now you're starting up. And this is the day after the 16-inning game. Right. So, so there is need no arms. bullpen. I mean, Kirby Yates might have been available to go, you know, a couple outs. He was on a tight pitch count. Phil Maton was it. So you got Perdomo, and you're hoping he can go the whole game and maybe hand it off to Maton for an inning or two. So when uh, when Walker Lockett came walking across the field in the fourth inning, he got a pretty good applause. So he <laughs> that's right, you know. And I love those stories. Like you get off a plane. Could you imagine getting off a plane? You're whisked to the ballpark. You're putting your gear. I mean, some, you hear stories of guys like show up and they're like, they don't have the right jersey, but they need him in the game. So yeah. they throw him out there. Maton didn't have his glove. He was going to have to borrow a glove if he had to go in. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I, I love that about baseball. I love where it's like you, you show up on a flight midway through the game. You're pitching the ninth inning. Are you pitching the same thing? Are you pinch hitting? And Walker did well. I mean, he gave up a couple of runs. But he looked a lot better than he did in his first appearance with the Padres. Right, and then the plane was left on the tarmac, and then they sent him an Uber back. And then <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think they even shut the engines down. God, they did. Yeah, Poor guy, that's rough. It's we'll like, hold the plane for you. Yeah, <laughs> they need to make a yo-yo with with Makita's face on it. It's <laughs> just up and down, up and down. You know, and that's so. what, what do you call them? the shuttle guys? And that's yeah, and that's there's always one or two guys there, and it seems to be Makita. That um, was Quackenbush the last couple of years. Yeah, it seemed. who was actually in the AAA All Star game? He was. Talk about a four A kind of a player. Yeah, and he's like an eighty grade beard. We we met him at the uh, at the partnership weekend uh, a couple several years ago. Were there any critters living in that beard? No, but I asked him if Cash because I think uh, I know Hunter Kathy Cashner was with us still, and I'm like, has Cash got you out there hunting? He's like, no, not yet. These guys have to band up. Like, dude, you got to have the beard. <laughs> Either learn the banjo or hunt if you're going to yeah. have a beard like that. You can't be like some hipster punk from South Park. Uh, but I digress. That was rude. Here we go. <laughs> um, anyways, uh, finally, and we'll just we'll just clean it up here with a little bit of uh, organizational stuff. You know, the, the option, Corey Spanger went back to AAA. And then Miguel Diaz went back to San Antonio. I thought it was interesting that Spangenberg went down and then Fran Mil Reyes got called up. Yeah, yeah, and I saw a tweet on that. It, it doesn't make sense other than it's time to look at Swahe get some ABs. I get that, but you've got Renfro and Myers in the outfield. Mm -hmm. Why do you need another right-handed outfielder, corner outfielder? If if it was a lefty to come up and play in the outfield, I mean, Spangenberg mm -hmm. could do that. So I, I, I don't understand. I mean, Spangenberg was struggling, so maybe they had some assignment. Maybe they had some homework they wanted to, to give him. Uh, I'm thinking maybe because we're playing the Dodgers. He's been striking out a ton. Who else is who else is in the lineup? You know, I think we needed that muscle, really. That's a good point. Yeah, because they did <laughs> they used Franville Reyes in each of the last three games, I think, as a pinch hitter. We got to Angela and I got to go to batting practice before yesterday's game. Okay. And so watching Fran Mill up there, you see other guys come through, and then he gets up there and just starts hitting lasers into the second deck. I mean, and he doesn't even look like he's swinging hard. Yeah. The guy is just a monster of a man. Um, but that's – yeah. Okay, so now we're just rambling on. Folks, we want to thank Dylan Sin from the Journal Gazette in Fort Wayne for, for the great interview. Uh, our first interview 
I uh, hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, want to thank Roy for being my co-host. Uh, thank you to Mad Friars and John Conniff and David J and Marcus Pond, who we met yesterday. Yeah, Marcus And all the great, great guys with uh, Mad Friars because um, we uh, plagiarized some of their content for what we do here. Um, and I also want to thank Eric at the 5.5 for stealing the sound clip of I was lifting weights when that was happening and I nearly broke my foot because I dropped a dumbbell on my foot. Oh my god, I was crying. I love it. I you know love when you're it. at the gym and you start laughing uncontrollably, like people are like, all right, that that's guys. And it's at the Y. It's not, you know, they're like, oh, what's up with that guy? Um, you can find me at SD Donovan on Twitter. And you can find me at Zippy underscore TMS. Thank you very much and have a great day. Hello, welcome to Friars in the Farm podcast. Oh, that's so nice. It's my inside voice. <laughs> All right, inside voice, Donovan. Okay. <laughs> One, two, three, inside voice.